You're listening to the Skylight Books Podcast. We're an independent, general interest bookstore putting great reads in the hands of people in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles. Hosted by resident Skylighters, we're here to bring you new and exciting author conversations, group reads, and bookseller chats. Happy listening. Hello, my beautiful listeners, and welcome to Skylight. This is the Skylight Books Podcast, and I'm your host, Lance Morgan. Today, I'm so excited to have Sequoia Manor on to talk about her new book, 33 and a Third, Kendrick Lamar's Dip in the Butterfly. Sequoia Manor is an assistant professor of English at Spelman College, where she teaches classes about 20 to 21st century African-American literature and culture. She's the author of the prize-winning poetry chapbook, Little Girl Blue, and co-editor of the book, Revisiting the Elegy in the Black Lives Matter Era. Her poem, Upon Reading the Autopsy of Sandra Bland, was a finalist for the 2017 Gwendolyn Brooks Poetry Prize, and her essays, poems, and reviews can be found in venues such as Merid- Meridian's Obsidian, the Langston Hughes Review, The Feminist Wire, Auburn Avenue, and elsewhere. She is at work on a poetic memoir about the foster care system in Los Angeles. Sequoia, so happy to have you on. I'm so excited. This is going to be so good. Thank you so much for having me, Lance. Uh, It's a pleasure. Before we get in, can I just say that it's an honor? (laughs) Skylight Books, you know, Central LA fixture. This is my first promo for the 33 and a third book. This is the first time that I'm talking about it in public. So it feels very fitting to do it on this podcast. So so thank you so much for having me. No, it's a pleasure. I mean, thank you for coming on. I this is going to be so much fun. As we we've had to listeners like on our before we came on, we had to be like, no, we have to stop talking about this and save some of the stuff for the listeners so they can hear us. Just all the fun stuff that we were talking about. We already um, we've already talked about LA and you know the the I, conversation has been good and it's gonna be good good. it's gonna be good i'm so (laughs) excited um but sequoia you have a reading for us I sure do. Uh, I'm going to read from the beginning of the book. I'm going to take little chunks from the preface Mm. and from the first chapter. Mm. And I won't really indicate where those breaks are. I'll just read continuously. Perfect. Um, All right. I'll let you you take it away. This project springs from a personal place. And I've been writing for this book for many years. Kendrick and I are the same age. And we grew up a few miles from each other, separated by the blocks that divide Compton and Long Beach, North Side. We survived Black adolescence in Los Angeles at a time when the state and its agents were determined to instill law and order and consolidate methods of punishment at the cost of many lives. We share the memories of Latasha Harlins, Rodney King, and too many others whose lives were foreshortened by debilitating poverty, brutalizing police forces, and unjust laws. We also share the embodied knowledge that music is capable of soothing a city burned barren by uprising. From what I know, Kendrick and I had vastly different upbringings, his gang-affiliated and dangerous, mine upwardly mobile and shielded, yet we are both shaped by the dramatic climate of Black L.A., in the age of mass incarceration. We grew into poets who, in our own ways, are both invested in literacy and uplift for Black communities. 
Kendrick Lamar offers listeners a personal narrative that examines what it means to stay healthy and whole in a system of racial capitalism that negates self-determination and cuts short promising lives. In the popular sphere, Kendrick's music echoes bright against a redundant background of rap cliches by celebrating aliveness and liberating love. The act of introspection and rigorous love are socially and politically transformative, especially for those who have been cast as incapable of reason and as unworthy of receiving care and compassion. I recognize Kendrick as an organic intellectual who is an unparalleled writer and thoughtful, thoughtful performer who crafts philosophical albums with staying power, albums that invite replay and re-listening. As Kendrick says, quote, I want you to live with it, grow with it. At the end of the day, I make albums that, ha that have that kind of longevity. Kendrick Lamar's ascent in popular culture has been swift and high-pitched. Having gained national buzz with his 2012 sophomore project, Good Kid, Mad City, the rapper became a household name and decorated artist with his third album, To Pimp a Butterfly, in 2015. And with his fourth release in 2017, Damn, he garnered the Pulitzer Prize. Widely regarded to be his magnum opus, to Pimp a Butterfly is the album that launched Kendrick into another stratosphere, ranking number one on lists by nearly every major music outlet, including Pitchfork, Rolling Stone, Complex, and Spin. Quote, to receive 11 Grammy nominations and be nominated for Album of the Year, now it feels like the world is listening to us, the rapper excitedly marveled. Note Kendrick's use of the communal us something I'll return to throughout this book. For a bona fide rap star, Kendrick navigates celebrity in untraditional ways, primarily through acts of refusal. He keeps no social media accounts and stays out of the gossip circuits. He gives few interviews and keeps a low profile. His infrequent broadcast performances are special viewing events, as are his tours. Kendrick remains an elusive artist who lets the music speak for itself. So when he became a household name, increased visibility and new demands vexed the artist. The rapper channeled his frustration into song. To Pimp a Butterfly is the autobiographical portrait of pivotal life experiences where Kendrick is the protagonist of a story about negotiating two disparate spheres the Compton home space that reared him, and the music industry through which he has elevated. He testifies to the growing pains of a blossoming artist, and listeners gain insight into sources of stress in his life as he strives for balance between familial obligation and mainstream achievement. And I'll close out with this last little passage. The album feels like a stream of consciousness that has been sifted through, reckoned with and patterned into art, cerebral and theatrical, confessional and aspirational, analog and orchestral, to pimp a butterfly strives for equilibrium in all regards. 
balanced against the deep sense of grief spurred by loss is redemptive faith. Like the poem that slowly builds over the course of the record, a narrative about awakening, about exploring one's interior and coming to consciousness of one's uniquely divine purpose, this comes to light. Dense, spiraling, and even strange, to pimp a butterfly is difficult in form. Performance poetry, G-funk, hard bop, conjuration. The album blends Black sound and experimental style for a revelatory listening experience, a unique offering of intellectual and spiritual labor. What? I mean, hearing you talk about it, I'm just like, wow, that's there. There's a poeticness in like your appreciation of the album for sure. Um, just hearing you talk about it in that way, I was just like, oh my god, I maybe I'm seeing it in a in a new way already myself, um, which I'm excited by. Um, I so how are you today? <laughs> I'm doing well, Lance. It is the end of a semester. I'm exhausted from another year of teaching during, during COVID. Shout out to your students. Shout out to my students. Spelman all day. All uh, day. But also, Kendrick is dropping a new album in two days. I was actually... The anticipation. Isn't it tomorrow? Is it tomorrow? What, what day is today? It's I within it's the next 48 hours. I'm excited. Yeah. Isn't it? I, I just... I, I was like... Because I was talking about our recording at work yesterday, and my immediately my um when my coworker was like, "Wait, isn't he coming out with a new album on Friday?" And I was just like, "What?" And so and we planned this. So this, we had this. We planned this so long ago. So what a what a like just weird cosmic coincidence or whatever your spiritual coincidence that like we're recording this on the eve of. A Kendrick drop after what five years? After five years. After five um, years. After the Pulitzer. Yeah. It's, and what's amazing, you know, this is my first promotion for mm-hmm. the book. The book uh will be released at the beginning of June. Mm-hmm. So for and I've been writing towards this project for so many years. Maybe we'll talk mm-hmm. about it. It's part of my dissertation, right? Yes. Uh, I, you know, presented at many conferences, taught it in the mm-hmm. classroom. And then it came into this form with 33 um, and a third. And it just feels so synchronous, so aligned that mm. it would be dropping as Kendrick is dropping, right? Right. Um, yeah. Isn't it yeah. crazy? Like the way things, the, the way things happen sometimes, it's like, ooh, what a, like, let's bring Kendrick on. Let's get him. Where is he? Let's send the Zoom link. We'll have him on the recording to talk about it too. He was like, what if he's just like, yeah, I knew this was happening. Lou said, same time. Neither of us would be surprised, right? No, of us would be surprised. I would be, I would be like so happy. Wouldn't be surprised. I'd be like crying out of happiness, but I'd be like, yeah, this is meant to happen. <laughs> um, well, I want to start talking and we were um, you cut, you shut me down when I tried to talk about this before, but now we're here and I want to talk about it. The way your album, this album was so important to me in 2015, 2016, when I was, I was graduating, I was graduating from undergrad and I was like, in like, I was in a space where everyone was like, you know, together, 
we were like experiencing we were like one of the things about college is like you experience everything together with the people around you because like you're all forced to be together in that way but like when something happens like that everyone's experiencing that and so I remember like this album coming out and we we were just so it was electric you could feel in the air like all right was playing everywhere yes and i remember i remember that being like hyped for it being like just like you hear kendrick in the halls and you're like oh my god yes but like i haven't listened to it in such a long time since because you know um reputation um came out um like 2000 or not reputation sorry damn um damn came out right after in well and if you really think about it he was releasing right so right after yeah. butterfly he had that untitled unmastered album which was like a b-side it was like all the tracks oh, yeah. that didn't make it onto Pimpa butterfly so we were rocking that for a while and then we went yeah. into damn just two years later which felt very short so we had those releases back to back to back and the way that you talk about this album is the way that i experienced kanye's west the college dropout while in mm. college right like that yeah. album was circulating in a very similar way oh my god i remember i was in i, I don't eat don't, don't make me feel I old out here i won't say it i won't say it I, <laughs> I said nothing i said no one heard anything no college reputation that was actually very important to me too in a lot of ways um but no yeah i mean but it's so it was so funny because damn won the pulitzer and became i was working at another bookstore at the time and i remember when dan won the pulitzer everyone was like what is like academics and when i say in academics in white spaces because black spaces we were like oh yeah kendrick but like academics in white spaces started to be like oh who is this who is winning who is this person who won a pulitzer for a rap album and like he's not the first or he's not the was he the first he was the first he was the first yeah well he's on the first um black was he the first no he wasn't the first black um like i would say poet right um he was oh well so kendrick is the first uh now you're confusing me oh my gosh (laughs) lance don't confuse me because i know that bob dylan right was also won something but i think yeah uh, i don't want to get this wrong oh my gosh here i'm going i'm going to double check myself um just to make sure i just i'm not like put dragging us down at all i don't want to do that um he was was he the first uh you know we're gonna we're gonna say he was we're gonna we're just gonna um Oh, the first non-jazz or classical work to win a Pulitzer for music. Okay, That's it. Beautiful. Perfect. We got it. No one, no, we, if anyone asks, we knew it from the beginning. They don't need to know. They don't need to know. Um, but no, he was the first, I mean, first in that regard. And just like, people were freaking out. People were like, people were like, the like, this man won the Pulitzer in a way that no one expected Mm -hmm. yeah well okay so it's so interesting like as you're talking i'm having all of the thoughts right because i'm thinking (laughs) about how to pimp a butterfly circulated in a way that was really interesting for me Mm -hmm. 
Um, as you said, like all right was everywhere. It was the anthem of Black Lives Matter protests. Mm-hmm. I remember the first night that album had just dropped and I went to the club the next night. And when I first heard that, and then that beat drops oh my gosh the club was just electric and like we were all in that together and it was a communal experience and it was just Mm -hmm. transcendent and amazing and gorgeous and the way that that album just kind of kept steady rising in popular Mm -hmm. culture was a thing to see so for me to pimp a butterfly was really the album that first crossed kendrick over into this uh, so that made him kind of legible to white audiences where he wasn't before. Um, yeah. Now, I talk in the book, I'm not going to get into much of it here, but, you mm. know, Kendrick was, with To Pimp a Butterfly, for me, Kendrick is accepted into the white establishment in ways that he mm. hadn't been before. Yes. So, for instance, he was dissed at the Grammys with Good Kid, Mad City. Anyone mm. who listened to hip-hop knew Good Kid, Mad City, inside and out, and it should have won all of the awards, but who won? Mm. Macklemore, right? And the whole debacle. Well, when we get to the Grammys some years later for To Pimp a Butterfly, yeah. to me, I almost feel the industry trying to make amends, right, mm. for that, that you know, traumatic, right. <laughs> that, that, that episode, that episode, right, right? that was so right. inherently racist and wrong, just wrong. Mm-hmm. Now, it's interesting that, like, at the Grammys, that big award album of the year, he loses yet again to Pimp a Butterfly loses to Taylor Swift, right? So, uh, right? So when, by the time he gets the Pulitzer, for me, I'm like, one, so deserved, right? The yeah, lyricism right. alone, the composition of the albums, the storytelling, the virtuosity, the mastery, the sonic mastery, so deserved, right? But also, in my opinion, belated. It also felt like a kind of, amends for the ways that he had been, I don't know, not, I mean, just, not kind of justly awarded in the ways that he should have been by a white establishment previously. I mean, I think disrespected is the word I yeah. would have used in a lot of ways. But I mean, like, how many... And also like, tokenized. Like, this is what this album yeah. is all about, right? Like, to yeah. pimp a butterfly. He's thinking about what it means to be a Black artist within a music industry. Mm-hmm. That expects certain certain performances of um, by black men. That expects certain kind of tropes, certain kind of recognizable, uh, you know, uh, uh, sounds. Yeah. And and it's an industry that tokenizes, that exploits, right? Uh, mm-hmm. At every level, at every level. And he's thinking about, okay, if I step into this role. Mm-hmm. As a leader within the industry, within my field, within the genre, how do I also balance uh, these demands? How do I not sacrifice my integrity as a Black man and a Black artist, right? Mm-hmm. So it's all about pimping and, uh, yeah. In the ex, I mean, and we'll go into the meaning of it soon, but I like, I want to talk about like, you know, for me, the journey to come back here, uh, hear the sounds of LA in the background. Uh, for me to come back to this album, I mean, like, even between Damn and Now, there was the Black Panther album that he came out with, which was huge. There was, I mean, yeah. him on Lemonade doing mm-hmm. Freedom, which I feel like, I feel like you think of it as, 
I feel like because it can't, it comes back. Freedom keeps coming back. Where I feel like even commer- like sports commercials, I was hearing Freedom in, and it wasn't the Beyonce part of it. It was the Kendrick part of it that I was hearing, where I feel like people heard the Kendrick part of it and they were like, "What?" They were like, "He to take the steam from Beyonce in that way, like that's not easy to do." But he kind of, you know, you think of Freedom, you think of Kendrick's verse in it as much as you think of Beyonce's, like. Beyonce's part in it too um so I mean a lot's happened since to Pimp a butterfly till now so going back and listening to it I feel like at what seven years later God, seven years later I feel like I learned so much more about mm-hmm. myself and where I was then and how I've like kind of grown from that we're now listening to it and um I feel different I'm angrier I am sadder at a lot of parts I am also like you know there are parts where I feel like I needed to hear I needed to relist I needed to re-listen to it so thank you for like getting me back to it we're like even at the store we put it on and I think everyone at the store was like yes wow I like they're like this is this is this it needs to be heard right now we were like um, I was putting on King Kunta and I saw people like come in the store and just immediately like they were in. They were like, okay, okay, let's do this. So like, do you do you think this is an album right now that's worth revisiting? Oh, <laughs> yes. I uh, love, What a yes. question for me to ask. <laughs> um, I mean, as you're talking about revisiting the album, the process of writing this book mm-hmm. uh, over several years, revising it, returning to the album, listening chronologically out of order, there is so much depth and nuance mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. stacking of meaning and double and triple entendres. The album yes. is surprising still, right? Mm-hmm. Even if yeah. I listen to it a gazillion times and it is still surprising sonically, lyrically, yeah. the kind of images that are conjured, the kind of mm-hmm. metaphors. It is so rich, but you know, I'm just going to talk a little bit and hopefully yes. I make oh. my way around to the point just because what, listening to you talk is evoking so much in me. So I remember mm-hmm. where I was in 2015, you know, so yeah. this album drops at a very pivotal time mm-hmm. in the United States. It drops mm-hmm. on the crux in between the change of guard from the Obama administration, his eight year term to the Trump administration. And there was a kind of foreboding in the country. Um, I remember, you know, teaching my students and early in the semester, they started laughing like, oh, Trump, he's a dope, he's a fool. There's no way he could ever win. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, no, history tells us that he very well could, might could and will win. And I'll give you these reasons, X, Y, and Z. We need to take that seriously, right? Right. Um, You were talking about being in college and the kind of community that is formed and, you know, how that Mm -hmm. album facilitated that community. I was in graduate school. Now, Mm -hmm. (laughs) during graduate school, I was also, you know, along with teaching classes, professionalizing to be a professor, uh, you know, writing. I was also in those streets. 
protesting uh, in Austin, Texas, in this neoliberal Oof. city. You yeah. know, they like to call themselves a little blue bubble in a red state. But let me tell you, baby, that bubble is not blue. It is purplish. Right. right. Um, and Austin, so neoliberal. But the years that I was living there for the 10 years I was living there, I saw the swiftest and most efficient gentrification. Quite literally, Lance, there were homes Mm-hmm. former homes, still the edifice of the home, the structure. You could tell that this was someone's home converted into bars that people were partying in, right? That was yeah. the effect, that was what the gentrification was looking like in that city. So this it's, exodus of Black people oof. from the city, this mm. ramping up of, you know, military militarization by mm. um, Austin PD, there were several incidents, right? We were protesting yeah. against Sandra Bland. There was a lot mm. going on. Um, right. And all of that was informing my mental and then Kendrick mm. drops this album and it's attesting to all of those things. It's attesting, it's validating the anger that folks are feeling, right? Yes. It's saying that you can endure, that you can survive this, that you can overcome the darkest things in your life, that you will be all right, that there will be a future for us and we can carve it together, right? It's a philosophical mm. album. And it and you know the reason why I think it touches us so like across demographics, across race and geography right like yeah. this is a this is a global album people love yeah. this album right like oh i was talking God, yeah. to a cat in south africa the other day who's like i can't wait for your book right i was talking <laughs> to someone else who's in israel and i'm like oh my god right yeah. and it's not because of like the strength of my writing it's the strength of kendrick's pen right kendrick's pen yes and it's a deeply philosophical album that speaks to the most human parts of us mm-hmm. it you know it's an album that thinks about grief Mm-hmm. about loss, mm-hmm. about deep sadness, about mm-hmm. depression, about uh, survivor's guilt, right? Yes. About managing expectations, mm-hmm. about stepping into one's power and the kind of anxieties that are, yeah. you know, stimulated by that. But it's an album that also gives us what Kendrick also gives him and why we love him and need him, right? Yeah. It's an album of hope. It's an album of inspiration. Yes. Uh, it's an album, an album that says you are valuable and worthy, like no matter what you've been through, right? Like I mm-hmm. love that Kendrick is talking to prisoners and he's also talking to college kids on the same album, on the same tracks, in the same lines. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah. So oh, yeah. there's just so much there. It's so rich. So, and I mean, oh, even you saying that, I'm just like, I like not that specific time, but a little bit afterwards, right in between uh, Tip and Butterfly and Dam, I was living in Denver and another state that purple, purple, and the gentrification was so like immediate like that, like immediate. Like there was a school, an old school that got turned into a bar because like, or bar restaurant, because like, you know, the same thing. And you saw like, like literally they're part of the whole, um design was that like you you're in the gym isn't this so cool like you're in an old school gym right now I'm like no this is kind of weird um and like being like you know a lot of spaces where I'd be like oh I'm the only white only black person in a very white space and I'll just be like oh I this is I would like say that to friends and they'd be like immediately uncomfortable I'm like oh I'm glad that you realized this just now where I'm I walked in and realized this but like I think that Kendrick was important to me at that time because like 
he was under he was going through a metamorphosis a metamorphosis of his blackness and his power in that as i was like going through a metamorphosis of like my own blackness having like in a specifically white space and while i'm like you know changing my life at that point so like i mean it was so important and i and that's why i love a song like the black or the berry right yes which is yes. so rageful which is uh, which has no filter, which is telling it like it is, which is yeah. raging against, you know, the centrality of white supremacy, which yeah. refuses to die, right? Which just refuses. Refuses to die, which just kind of, you know, molds into mm. new shapes and manifestations oh, yeah. and oh, yeah. the kind of, you know, the deep-seated rage that is and he validates that right there's a space for that and that that anger that rage can be catalyzing can move you towards transformation okay i just have to say not to get too like academic but there's while she's not in the book the queen poet warrior mother goddess audrey lord is always in the forefront of my mind and i think of her track the uses of anger Right, I, mm-hmm. it, not her track, but it could be a track. It could, it could be a track, right? Like a battle rap. Yeah. But her essay, "The Uses of Anger," where she talks about tr- the transformational possibility of mm-hmm. anger. She says, within anger, there's information and energy, right? Mm-hmm. And for me, that is what Kendrick taps into, right? To not yeah. be consumed and to go up in flames because of the anger because of the anger but the possibility of transforming into something new and powerful right and i mean it's it's so unfair but also like realistic that black people have to go through that transformation so many times in our lives we have to go through almost every time we move to a new space almost every time like something happens in pop culture and news and media in the world we have to like sit down and be like all right well how how does this like how is this something that's like going back to our past our history our um future our generations our generational trauma our ancestry what is going to happen to our descendants? we have to go through this every time and i mean i to what to pivot butterfly i think a lot of people in my generation, our generation, saw a lot of white people, I'll say actually, a lot of white people and a lot of non-black people um, were like, oh wait, this is this is something black people have to like, this is this is a big moment for us to see what black culture uh, looks like in the essence of transformation and evolution and like what they how they like lost something in every they're just keep trying to find it through meaning through traveling through exploration of who I am and who I will be and who I who I where I came from and I mean Tim Butterfly I think is a perfect like masterpiece of that right yeah right of the black condition Right? Yes, yes. And I love the way that you're talking about like every time something pops off in popular culture, we got to think about that. And like Kendrick yeah. is so special. One, mm-hmm. because he's able to engage, right? If I'm thinking around along this like black white dynamic that the yeah. music industry in this country just loves to reify, right? But right. he can engage both sides of the audience, be saying something and have messages resonate differently that are both true and exist at the same time right yeah, right so that's 
it's like it's great that white people love this album and listen to it and bought it and you know like catapulted him to start him. that's great but like what it's doing for black people this is healing work this is transformational work yeah. and that's what i'm invested in right right and i and like i just it's it's also us like them be seeing oh wait black people love themselves too like they go through all this and they still I like, love myself I love myself oh when I you know what I'm, we're gonna talk about it. we're gonna talk about it there are songs that I'm just like there are songs I want to talk about for sure and specific songs that we're gonna talk about um but I want to know because something with all the 33 and a third books that I always the one question I always want to ask people is why this album because you have so many choices right you have so many choices and I like I mean I see an album collection behind you I know so and I'm I I mean I'm not even gonna assume I know I mean we're we're, we're soul siblings we said this I know that you you're a purvey you just like are a collector yes. of just good music good albums yes. and like there are so many good albums okay so I, let me let me tell you Okay, yeah. so mm-hmm. I'm sorry if this answer is a little bit long and rambling, but I promise you that oh I will don't, answer. Do not apologize. Do not apologize, please. <laughs> I'm glad that you recognize that. So I am a lover of music. One of the reason why, reasons why I love Kendrick so much is that he's also a lover of music. I remember yes. there's a scholar, her name's Nicole Hodges Pursley. She teaches at the University mm-hmm. of Kansas. I was giving a keynote there on Kendrick Lamar years and years and years ago. Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, the way that you talk about Kendrick I think that he's a sonic archivist. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? Sonic archivist. That is the term, right? Like he, a crate digger, someone who will go yes. here and there and there, who's not afraid of exploring. And that is me, mm-hmm. 100. So I grew up in Los Angeles in this very beautiful time, right? Like if we think of the 90s, the kind of uh, genre collapse, the collaboration mm-hmm. that was happening. So my mom, you know, she was listening to gospel and soul. All mm-hmm. my cousins, I was the baby of all the cousins too, right? So, and mm-hmm. my foster sister, she was 10 years older than me. So whatever she was rocking, I was rocking, right? So that was all the hip hop, uh, all the R&B. They used to take me to summer jam back in the day, (sighs) park in the summers, right? Um, But then me, my little nerd self, always been very highly sensitive to sound and always a lover of music. I grew up playing the Mm -hmm. classical guitar, the piano, and Mm -hmm. I listened to heavy metal. Lance, my first concert was Slayer and Pantera at the age of 12 at the Long Beach Auditoria. Like I was that little black girl, right? In her combat boots. I love folk music. I started listening to, uh, you know, uh, 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 classic rock and reggae Mm. and all of the things, just taking in everything that I could. So Mm. you're right. Sound hits me in a particular way. And I just love Mm. music. If it has soul in it, that's what I love, right? right? And you'll see when you read this book for the listeners, you'll see that I kind of struggled, right? So the whole second Mm -hmm. chapter of this book is about Tupac. Yeah. And it was important for me to have that chapter because Kendrick frames Tupac as a spiritual figure, a kind of guide Mm -hmm. for him. He's part of his origin story. He's a figure Mm -hmm. who he's always performing and thinking through his like ideology. Yeah. But I also have, you know, notes in here. I went back to um, Parliament Funkadelic, um, Mm -hmm. one of their really early albums, America Eats Its Young, Mm -hmm. and thought about that as a prototype for To Pimp a Butterfly. Mm -hmm. All of that to say that as I was writing, 
the music itself is so citationally rich that I found yeah. myself really struggling not to write whole other album reviews or whole other 33 and a third books. Yes. Now, get this. My dissertation, um, it was titled Liberation Aesthetics in the Black Lives Matter Era, Poetry, oh Protest, yep. and Social Justice. So <laughs> I was writing about like... poets, yes, poets and musicians who mm-hmm. um, were reviving certain protest strategies in our age, for our age, right, of yes. policing and mass incarceration and abolitionist mm-hmm. politics. And for me, I wanted to write... So the dissertation, it kind of looks like Kendrick's work up until that point as a whole, mm. right? It thinks of right. Section 80, Good Kid, Mad City, to Peppa Butterfly as connected, connected together and um, expanding mm. themes over time. Right. And I really wanted to write the Good Kid, Mad City, 33 and a third. Yes. That's my album. I write and die for that album. (laughs) I love that album through and through. I I have a whole I have a whole book's worth, right? So thirty three and a third. If you hear this, if you want another (laughs) book from me, the book is ready, right? The book is ready. Just send me the Uh. contract. And like (laughs) listeners, if you like the To Pimp a Butterfly book and you want the Good Kid, Mad City book, let the publisher know, right? Let the publisher know because I yes. I, I have the, I have it ready to go. So Ugh. I initially wanted to write because, you know, for me in that book, I talk about the formation mm. of Black Los Angeles, yes. the consolidation of police power, what it means mm. to be a good kid in a mad city. I talk about the histories of Compton and Long Beach and these yes. spaces that I grew up with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there, you know, I think about my own upbringing in the foster care care system eventually being adopted Mm -hmm. out like I know that side of LA so thoroughly and also like the sounds g-funk I talk about all that history in good kid kid mad city but upon submitting the proposal to 33 and a third I was strategic I said Mm -hmm. to a butterfly that's the award-winning album that's the crossover album that's Mm -hmm. the jazz critic critics album right yes Mm -hmm. that's the album that to be quite frankly, a white establishment loves, right? Yeah. And has accepted. So yep. I so I wrote the Tepempa Butterfly 33 and a third book, and I love it. I think it's yes. beautiful. But yeah. that first story, the story of how a genius cultivates, mm-hmm. cultivates a practice that might secure him freedom, that might, you know, grant him the wings to escape. Yes. from a toxic environment that story is so important to me and that's a story that's told on good kid in that city and like i mean 33 and the third you heard this you heard it here get that book or any honestly any publisher you want to like just i feel like you have a kendrick lamar I do. book ready to go I you do. are like he his people are going to come to you and be like uh and he they're gonna be like we have an idea for you writing this book and you're just gonna hand them it. you're like it's done <laughs> like what else, you need? What, else <laughs> what else you need like I, I got it no this is I mean to, to, to like have such a understanding of an artist like Kendrick wow like that I mean and in 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 ways do you think that your this book does um celebrate um good pit man yeah i my, i think it does my, i think it does good, good kid mad good city kid, doesn't city. celebrate it yeah. yeah because i kind of see those two albums as like two sides of the same 
coin or two parts mm-hmm. of the same story. They're both coming of age stories, right? Mm-hmm. And the first one is really thinking about how does one move from adolescence to manhood in a city mm-hmm. that is dotted with landmines that is so yes. dangerous? How do I navigate and find my way, right? How do I mm-hmm. hold on to my moral and ethical center? And right. to Pimp a Butterfly, the part two of the story is like, okay, yeah. I made it. I made it, I'm doing well, I'm successful, and yet I am running into these obstacles that I never thought that I could encounter, obstacles within the music industry. You know, Mm -hmm. while I'm out here celebrating, I'm touring Africa, people are dying back home. So what does it mean for me to have all this power and to not be able to help my people? How do I deal with the survivor's guilt? How do I truly be a leader within a music industry that Mm -hmm. doesn't want me to do that? How do I truly be a leader? How do I step into that power when we see the history of Black leaders before me? All of those who have been made martyrs, who have been killed, that's not my destiny. So Kendrick is asking all of these questions. It's a two-part story. So yeah, yeah, I, I do often kind of go back to the initial story to talk about the the character development right that he's giving us i mean that's for artists that's one of my favorite things to see in music like i feel i had a conversation with someone recently we were talking about like albums we like and was it a date i think it was a date actually if you hear that i go i do go on dates and that's on official record um hit me up um on the apps i'm joking don't do that don't talk to me um but seriously hit him up seriously hit him, if you want <laughs> um no i was talking about like albums we were talking about albums we liked and i was like yeah there's a lot of albums where i just i i feel like a lot of artists especially when they make it they lose the sight of like certain like they forget what they were their whole thing was that they were searching for something and then now they're like "Ooh, i made it I, i'm celebrating i'm i i there's nothing else i have to do you just want to hear how happy i am i'm like yeah but what are you still searching for like you have to like what is what is what is the search and like to, to pimp a butterfly is a perfect example of like you can make it and, s- and still have things to search for still have meaning to like what is next for me how have i what is there's always something that i'm looking for no matter where i am in my life no kendrick is a model of that a model of like what that looks like and i mean just just what an album for to do that and what an album to choose for that too I mean I think I asked but like I feel like I also didn't need an answer in a way because I just there there what what better answer than like why not Kendrick why not this album in his career but like no I mean your answer was also really great so um it's a it, it's a timely album. It's a timeless album. Yes. It's an album that marks a moment. We're all going to remember mm-hmm. where we were at yeah. this time. Um, it's mm-hmm. an album that moves culture. It's an album that became a soundtrack literally to a movement, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But like what you're talking about, this, con- this continual search for meaning and yeah. the persistent practice of coming to consciousness new planes Mm -hmm. of consciousness Mm -hmm. is so vital to us as listeners to pop culture to this corrupt music industry all of that is such a kind of opposing force that Mm -hmm. um is rare you know kendrick is rare and i want to celebrate that he's he's a genius and i want to celebrate that you know a genius 
he's unapologetically black and spiritual and well and you know the other reason why i love him is because in this uh, (laughs) let me not go too deep i'm like in this day and age when people can't even (laughs) read no more people don't want to read books no more he is a writer he is a writer's writer he is Mm -hmm. using language to lock into power he is showing the power of literacy which is so important for black folks right yes Uh, which Uh. is our tool to freedom which is our tool Mm -hmm. to liberation one of our tools right and and you know like you were talking about the albums that you're drawn to and telling a story. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons why I love Kendrick is, I guess that's going to be my mantra, this whole podcast. One of the reasons why I love Kendrick, there's a gazillion reasons, right? Mm-hmm. But he is a conceptual artist. So it's not just about the single. We're yeah. living in a day and age where it's all about the single. How many Spotify mm-hmm. streams can you get on that pop and single, right? How oh, many yeah. singles can you comprise into a little EP, right? Like don't even exactly. give us the full LP. No one's yeah. got time to listen to that whole thing, right? It's all yeah. about the single. But for Kendrick, he's thinking about the story, the narrative, the mm-hmm. meaning, the moral. And that doesn't yes. just develop on one song, but it develops from song to song to song, right? Yes. And by the time you get to the end of the album, you mm-hmm. realize what he was trying to tell you in the beginning, so yeah. you gotta play it again. You're you like, know, well, and it's just this continual process, this cyclical yeah. process of coming to consciousness, right? He makes yeah. us perform that. And there's only I I when I think of artists who can do that, it's the only but it's the best. It's the best of the best. Yeah. It's the it's the uh miss it, the mat the 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 miseducation of Lauren Hill, yeah. the um God, I, now that I'm trying to think of it, I forget every album I've ever listened to in my life. The but like I would recently, say the miseducation of Lauren Hill. If we're thinking about the hip hop genre, I would say Nas's mm-hmm. Illmatic is kind yes. of emblematic of that, mm-hmm. right? This yes. development from song to song. Rhythm Nation. Um, um, sure. Just the Velvet like, Rope, honey. The Velvet That's my Rope. Album. <laughs> oh my! And you're right. And you're right to say. And he, but it needs to be said. But even like Solange, um, yes. uh, Seat at the Table, and yes. When I Get Home, both of those I think of as like just narratives, uh, beautiful yeah. narratives that you listen to front to back and you go back again. And like, I'm saying this to say that Kendrick is at the top of it. You think of like the best of the best. He's on that list every time. And like, I just... Uh, I mean, I can, we can go on, but I want to talk about the singles on it. Not the singles as in like, as we were just saying, there's no, there's, it's a narrative, but there are, there are, and it is a narrative, but like every narrative story, there are chapters that you just like, that just get you and you're just there for a second, like, wow. Um, the first one I want to talk about with you, and if there's any you want to talk about too, please interrupt me and be like, no, we're talking about this one right now, Lance. We're doing it. And I'll be like, you're right. Um, no, the first one I want to talk about is King Kunta because King Kunta, I remember listening to for the first time. And even, even I think that there are going to be two significant moments with me listening to it for the first time and listening to it again when I was like getting ready for this and being like sitting with it like, wow, I didn't even realize the depths of this when I was first listening to it because it's, it's so true to me right now in my life again where I was younger and I think I was looking forward I was looking I was learning this I was I was it was I was like oh this is gonna mean something to me one day I don't know if I'm ready yet but I know that this is something that's gonna be big for me and so now when I'm listening to it now I'm like 
I, I still don't know if I'm fully ready for it in the way, but I think I'm close. I'm closer to like the, where I'm going to be with this. And, um, and I, I kind of love that too. Cause I'm just like, oh, this is going to be, this is, this is, this is important. This is, this is something that's going to be with me for the rest of my life. And I, I love, love that. that description, Lance, because King Kunta mm. is like the heart of rapping when it comes to yes. the post. When yes. it comes to boasting, when it comes to that kind of, um, that swag, that statement yes. of unshakable power, that's what King Kunta is, right? Yeah. Like, I got the button. I am controlling this thing. I'm in my mm-hmm. bag. Can't yes. no one knock me. Oof. And so there's that kind of, um, like, transcendent feeling of the song. Mm-hmm. But there's also that deep G-funk. Yes. So another exclusive. Bah, bah, bah. Um, <laughs> I one of my you know pet projects uh, mm. is a study of G funk, and we don't talk about mm. G funk enough. But it's this West Coast interpolation of uh, the funk tradition, particularly of of P funk, right? Mm. And G funk in itself, you know, I kind of like to describe it. So imagine it's LA. It's 85 degrees, it's summertime, Mm. it's breezy, it's beautiful, it's balmy, right? Like just enough breeze. You're looking at the ocean. The ocean is sparkling, it's gorgeous, all the things. But you're Mm. taking in that scene from the back of a police cruiser handcuffed. That's what G-Funk is. It's danceable, it's groovy, it's beautiful. It makes you feel good in your body, but it's also nasty. It's funky, it Mm. is violent, it is grimy, it's hard hitting. So there's that fundamental tension at the very bottom, like the very root of King Kunta that is just infectious. You can't help but dance, but it's also got this undercurrent of... uh, I like nasty is the word. My yeah. my lip curls up as I say it, right? Like the groove is just yeah. so so good it's so on that good. song. And it like cap for me, you know, as an LA girl, it captures the West Coast, it captures G Funk, it's pulling from certain traditions. I write about mm-hmm. that in the book. Um and yeah, that song is that song is It's at, the, it's at the top for me on that album. And it's yeah. one of the songs that, you know, that song paired with Wesley's Theory. So Wesley's Theory is the first yeah. track. Then you get mm. a little interlude. And then you get King Kunta. Both Wesley's Theory and King Kunta, those are funk-based songs. So for yeah. me, even though we talk about the jazz and I talk about that, the cosmopolitan mm. jazz, all these different sounds on the album, it's rooted in funk. It's rooted mm. in G-funk, right? It, right. It, capitalizes off like the live instrumentation um, of G-Funk grooves that, and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, funk is, it's about the body. It's about movement and sweat. And the other thing about funk, it's also about liberation. Yeah. (laughs) Funk at its core is about getting outside of your constrictions, about Mm -hmm. moving to new planes of consciousness. So it's not, it's not, you know, Kendrick is of the West coast is of a G-Funk tradition. And like within the very like structure, the container of funk mm-hmm. is this desire for liberation. So you're feeling yeah. all that in King Kunta, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's just, it's so, <laughs> there's some magic to it. There's a, there's a, there's the way that he makes, he knows that you're going to feel something in this and he's, he's 
manipulating sounds wrong, but like really capitalizing on that. He's, he's harnessing, harnessing his, you feel the power. You're, when you were talking about um, the first two um, going into it too, you're just like, you he's do he knows what he's doing he's harnessing his power where king kun does the release he's like oh this is the album there's a reason he starts he not starts with king kunta but goes in on king kunta he's like this is the first powerful song you're going to hear on this album because i want you to know what you're getting into he does not lie to you and tell you oh i'm going to kind of trick you into thinking no he says this is what we're going to go into in this album and that's why he chose king Kuda. yeah this ain't gonna be no soft album no 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 no. We're, you're gonna feel you're gonna sit with it for a second you're gonna rewind yes. and be like wait what did i just hear yes. um the second one i want to go into is i feel like the anthem of the album the one that everyone goes All into. Right? you know it you know yeah. it you it it's I mean, you were you were saying when the album came out, and I was I was like, oh yeah, that's I had that similar experience where you go to the club and everyone's there, and it just felt electric. You felt like, I mean, you were like, oh, this is a moment where I'm hearing this in the club, and everyone's feeling, and everyone's feeling different emotions about it. We're happy, we're hopeful, we're sad, we're we're like, I I mean, I think when I first heard it, I was like connected i was like this is a community song this is a song about like him making us all say that him making us him being like we're gonna be all right and now as i listen to it i'm like i feel him being like no you need to hear this you need to hear these words even he needs to hear these words he needs to hear himself say we're going to be all right i I don't, I, please please take it away because I just like I, get emotional listening I, no I feel like it. you said everything that I feel about that song and let's not get it twisted we were hearing it in the club we were hearing mm-hmm. it on the radio but we were also yes. hearing it in the streets yes. protest anthem people screaming it right disruptions demonstrations like mm-hmm. the way that that song gives life and one of the like the little tidbits there's a bunch of hidden gems right yeah. I think one of the hidden gems um, when I talk about all right in the book is the backstory with Pharrell and how he had mm-hmm. had that track for a really long time right and had shopped yeah. it around in fact if you like google online and you look for the track, you can see other people who have recorded over it before Kendrick got to it. Like Fabulous, he has a version of it, which is eh, mm. it's whatever. Yeah. But then he talks about Kendrick getting on the, on the track, finding the pocket yeah. and just elevating the song to a kind of otherworldly level level and like part of what carries the song i mean the lyricism the lyricism let me just read the bridge the bridge that we all know but like let me read it so it can like let's sit with it Mm -hmm. wouldn't you know we've been hurt been down before nigga when our pride was low looking at the world like where do we go nigga and we hate popo wanna kill us dead in the streets faux show Nigga, I'm at the preacher's door. My knees getting weak. My gun might blow, but we gonna be all right. And like for me, I said we. I said it would let it sit, huh? Right. Okay. Yeah. So let me pause. But for me, right, I get. To, I'm so excited because like the Kendrick for me is validating all of our experiences, right? Like there is freedom ain't just gonna come from praying. 
in a church. Yeah. It's not going to come just that way. It's not just going to come from demonstrations. It's not just going to come from, it's all of this together. There's space for all of this. Blackness, the Black condition. If we are going to imagine a future that is sustainable, that is more livable for us in this country, that is trying, yeah. has been trying to stamp us out. We can do it. We, we have the fortitude. We have the tools to do it. However, we must pay attention to the various avenues to build this power. You know what I mean? No, I, and he, he I mean, I think he, you hear that him trying to be like, pay attention, pay, listen to what I'm saying. And I mean, I think especially right now, I need it. I need that. I need like now that all right's back in my life. It's back in my life. It's <laughs> back in my life. Cause like I listen to it. And I'm just like, I need him. He's, he's yelling. I feel like he's behind me yelling at me saying these things are happening. Yes. I can't stop them, but you need to, the only way that we can preserve ourselves as black people, as people who are suffered is that to say we need to keep shouting we're going to be all right we need to go tell them the we need to go tell the oppressors we're going to be like you can do these things to us you can shoot us in the streets and please stop shooting us in the streets but you can break our legs you can break us down mentally and physically and emotionally but we're going to be all right you can't win that you can't destroy us you can't eradicate us you can't can't. annihilate us right you can't we're gonna be at the end of the day we're gonna still be there saying we're gonna be all right and i just like and it so often feels like annihilation from so many yeah. ways, right? Like I talk mm. about how this album is thinking about the kind of political landscape, this movement yes. from Obama to Trump. It's thinking about prisons as an organizing mm-hmm. system in our society, right? It's thinking yeah. about these police forces who have too much money and too much power. For me, even though Kendrick doesn't use the language, this is an abolitionist album. Yes. It oh is my God, articulating... Yes both an abolitionist and a decolonial philosophy that the folks who love this album haven't really talked about in the ways that it should be talked about, right? I want us to have those conversations about the album, but the way that he opens up possibility, right? Uh, The way that he uh, spurs us on and like, Mm -hmm. let's not get it twisted. The thing that makes All Right beautiful, it's the lyricism, but it's also yes. Pharrell's production. We don't talk about Pharrell's production enough. No, but I, I get Pharrell. Phenomenal. I'm sorry, Pharrell. I'm sorry, because <laughs> it is, it like, you, both of them should like together stand up, hold their hands, being like, we did this. Yeah. Like, they, they made a but song. But then we also have the horn with Kamasi yes. Washington that spirals oh. through, right? Yes. And like, in, that's one thing about the song that I'm like, it's jazz. It's I feel like mm-hmm. in so many time periods in that song, I'm like, I'm not just in. It's not just today. It's yesterday. It's century ago. It's decades ago. It's our. It's on the the fields, like the fields with our ancestors. Like it's spiritual. It's in the church. It's in. I just, I feel, I don't, I feel disconnected from the here and I'm with everything in that song. Okay. I love that you're saying this because I provide a beautiful close reading of the video. Mm-hmm. Do you remember yeah. that video? Oh, how could I forget that video? Oh mm-hmm. my God. I mean, the weightlessness, the nimbleness, right? Yes. Like Kendrick soaring his, mm-hmm. his kind of otherworldly nature yes. within that video. Like, mm-hmm. it, 
that video for me, I mean, the even the black and white nature of it, right? The, yeah. the silver tinting, mm-hmm. that takes it out of time, right? Yeah. And like opens up the possibility of new context. When is this? Yeah. Was it then? Was it now? Is it the future? It's all of that, it's right? Of just it. as you yeah. were saying. Yeah. It just, it's, we're, it's bigger than, it's bigger than every time I, every time I think about it, I'm like, it's bigger than that. It's bigger than what I'm thinking about it. I can't, I I can't fully grasp onto it in a way that I'm just, I love. And I think it's, maybe that's it. What I was saying that like, like it's, um, when I was saying about King Kunta, even this now, like I can't, it'll never be something that I can fully grasp onto. And I think that's beautiful because that's going to, it's going to keep coming back into my life and I'm going to keep trying to grasp onto it. And that's the point, you know, that's the point of it is that we're going to keep persevering to try and, you know, hold on to that. And what I love about it is that the meaning, the understanding is not just accrued from the lyrical landscape, which is gorgeous, right? The lyrics are gorgeous, but it's also the sound that keeps giving us, that keeps developing and growing, right? It's also the kind of, like all the just sonic contours Mm. of the album offer so, so, so much. And I will just say that Kendrick said that, He's on record saying that All Right is uh, one of his greatest records because of the way that it reached people um, mm-hmm. and made them feel like they had power to enact change in our society. And it, I mean, it did And that. I talk about it as an anthem. I talk about it yeah. as an anthem. And if we really mm-hmm. think about it, there are very few hip hop political anthems that have crossed over, right, in between the popular and the uh uh, protest spheres, yes. right? You might think of like NWA, but the police, mm-hmm. you might think of uh, uh, Public Enemy, Fight the Power. Yeah. And, and since then, Kendrick's all right. That's monumental. Monumental. Right? And yeah. I, even though <laughs> I think of another one, and it's Kendrick too, Freedom. Like Freedom, I remember yeah. it past the 2020 protests, people were blaring that too, because they were like, and I, to bring it up again, they're like, this feels he's he did he it's i don't think it's as big as all right it did the it it got to the same heights but you felt like the you felt that in there you felt that the the same um spirit was in freedom that was heightened to its highest extent in all right i just i could talk about all right all day i could talk about it know that like i like I could cry right now thinking about that song because I, yeah. not because of how, not even just because how beautiful it is, just because I mm-hmm. feel him, he, I feel mm-hmm. him like his spirit with me when I hear mm-hmm. it and like a, he's like mm-hmm. pushing me forward in it. Uh, okay, um, as you say that, let's transition and talk about Mortal Man because you're talking about yes. how All Right brings you to that place of tears. When I first heard M- Mortal Man mm-hmm. and the end of that song where Tupac's voice comes in, I broke down bawling Oof. in tears. I was Oof. haunted. My whole body broke out in goosebumps. And when you talk about being silhouette, silhouetted or being like yeah. a specter, a ghost of Kendrick that stays with you when you hear that song, Tupac has always been a specter for me and he's always been yeah. a specter for Kendrick. He's so important mm-hmm. to, not, oh, I mean, yeah. not, of course, we already know popular culture, hip hop, but yeah. to the West Coast, 
to little babies in LA, right? So yeah. Tupac part, I mean, uh, part of Kendrick's origin story, you know, he gave an interview to GQ magazine where he talks about, you know, I was in the studio one night years and years ago and I look over and Tupac's right there and he's talking to me and he tells me I, has a, I have a duty and a responsibility. And from there, my life changed. And like, and he's 100, he's talking about being visited upon yeah. by the ghost of Tupac, right? Yeah. And he animates that on the album in a way that is so powerful to me. That song. Yeah. I can't revisit that song often <laughs> because it moves me so, you know? Right. And it, I mean, for that, for when I listen to that song, I just like, I want to hug Kendrick a little bit. I want to like, I want to like, I want to make sure he's doing good. Cause I feel he's, he, to bring in the Black Panther of it all too. He's in some sort of ancestral plane where he's seeing people who like, who raised him, who watched over him, who like made sure, made sure he's doing, he's, he would get to where he is. And I like, I see him just like looking at these people with like a reverence that I don't think he realized yet that people are going to look at him. People will see. Oh, I think he fully realized it. You think he fully realized it? I think he fully realized it, baby, and is stepping into that power, but is asking, like, what are the consequences of this? Yeah, that's right? true. If I am going to accept this role as leader, as, you know, mm-hmm. you know, divine being, as conduit, as vessel mm-hmm. for word, if I'm going to step into this, um, am I ready for it? Am I ready yeah. for the consequences? Will I be surprised when uh, an audience turns their back on me? Will mm-hmm. I, you know, will I be made into a martyr like so many who have come before me? Yeah. I think I think he fully realized at least the potential. Like the we potential. can go all the way back to Section eighty and high power, and he's talking about being a leader. You know, yeah. and this is before he's even popped. He's already thinking about that question. What does it move? What does it look like to move with that kind of um, divinity? And like the, and it's not the the with it's not the glamour of it. It's the the burden of it. It's yes. the burden of like, oh, I am, I am not. I'm not myself. I'm bigger than myself. And I, I think he's there's a little sadness in it too of like, oh, I am, I don't get to just, I, there is something in me, something in my past and what I've seen and what I've been through. I had to lose myself to survive and become, make it better for everyone else. He, he, uh, I'm not gonna, I, I'm gonna do this. I'm so sorry to everyone listening. He's, he's a, he's a Jesus Christ kind of sacrificial person like dying. but you don't have to apologize that because he puts that very metaphor on the album he does right he does and i and i i like it's it i'm apologizing for my own like for my own relationship with it with with christianity and like you know it's just if it's my own thing but like i see it in him mm-hmm. this like he's he had to kill himself in a way he had to kill the Kendrick Lamar who he was to become the figure Kendrick Lamar to say, I have to like put myself in the spotlight. I have to, he, I mean, all right, it's an anthem for a movement. And in that is not just like the, 
it's i feel like people forget that it's not glamorous it's his he's being watched by everyone all the time people that we people that like if they were watching me i would i would be terrified every day of my life and he has to deal with that he's a there's a tremendous sense of sadness that undercuts all of kendrick's work that is palpable he Mm -hmm. is uh licking old wounds that haven't closed yeah he he is um shedding a tear for all the loved ones that he's lost Mm -hmm. he is shedding a tear for his little boy self who never got to experience an uh an adolescence and safety right Mm -hmm. um there's so much loss uh within his work and for me I think that's what makes it so relatable so urgent so timely I mean come on we are still living in a pandemic when we have lost how many lives how many lives like how many artists can we talk to in the popular sphere sphere who are giving us music that actually help us to move through these moments Kendrick is giving us that kind of work right giving it to us selflessly like selflessly so generously right so generously and so are we worthy of it (laughs) are we worthy of this are we did we have are we learning from it that's what i like i hope we are because i hope people are seeing the sacrifice he's giving to us with this music i mean as you're talking (laughs) this is just a little story but i remember teaching Mm. back in the day and we were talking about the song Swimming Pools, which I believe mm. was one of the first singles from Good Kid, Mad City. And like my students, they were like, oh yeah, we love this album. We love Kendrick. This is our drinking song. I guess they felt real comfortable with me to tell me this is our drinking song. I'm like, what? They're like, yeah, pull up, drink, take a shot, drink, pull up. And I'm just like, what? This is your drinking song? Do you know, if you listen to the verses, he's talking about alcoholism within his family, how he's scared that this runs in his genes, how alcoholism destroys families and neighborhoods. Like what? This ain't a drinking anthem. But the kids, they were like, what? He says all that? Like we're, we just like the beat. We just like the beat. So I want to be hopeful. Like I say at the end of this book, uh, let me see. I want to get my own wording right. What do I say? Can I read this? Do do you mind? It's very short. Yes, 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 of course. So as I finished this book, having lived and protested through the Obama-Trump years, and as I prepare for decades of aftermath before me, I'm grateful that To Pimp a Butterfly persists as an acclaimed artifact of genius. As an LA girl and a longtime lyricist lover, I'm pleased to boast Kendrick as one of the best living rappers and one of the most special to have ever entered the industry. He is a genius, and I'm proud to celebrate that talent while living in a nation that makes martyrs of courageous, kin-loving Black men. The comparison of Kendrick to rappers, to top five rappers like Nas, Rakim, and Jay-Z is more than appropriate, and it is not too early to deem to pimp a butterfly a masterwork and defining artifact of the unfolding 21st century. My hope is that Kendrick Lamar has inspired a generation of rap listeners like myself to read more, to travel farther, to self-examine, and to strive toward individual and collective greatness in all endeavors. All that to say, I'm based, I have the same hopes. I hope people are listening. He's begging us to listen and re-listen and listen closely. Um, 
and I mean, that's all we, that's all I could hope for, you know? And that's, I mean... And I'm deeply skeptical beautiful. of that. It's yeah. beautiful. I'm skeptical of humans and people just because of my kind of like, you know, I mean, Afro-pessimist, Black feminist I was going to say, right? we're, we're Black people. Like, you're doing things. It's, uh, I... So, Corey, this has been such a good interview. I'm like, I'm so sad I have to say it's over. My, my editor is going to be like, over an hour, Lance, and I'm I'm sorry, Nick. Nick, I'm sorry, but I had to. It's so good. It's this uh, this book and the work you've done with it is so beautiful. I love black people. I just need to say it. I love black people because <laughs> what we do with art and what we how we interpret art and how we like evolve with art is just so gorgeous and so. Uh, there's gonna be a millions of years now when aliens pick apart you know the remains of this planet i feel like they're going to be like they're going to look at black art specifically and be like what like it's going to be revolutionary to another civilization one day and i uh the last thing i want to the last thing wait 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 lance i'm going to cut you off and close out because you as you're talking i'm like that's what Tupac said so many years ago. There's an interview in 1994 where he says, I, I, I can't change the world, but I do mm. know that I can plant the seed in the mind of the kid that will yeah. change the world, right? And I feel right. like that's what Tupac wasn't invested in. That's what Kendrick was invested in. That's what yeah. Black people that we love are invested in. We might not be yes. able to have that immediate change today, but we're going to we do should. that work to make sure that the change might come in the future, can come it in the future. So that's so beautiful. Future. Thank you. Uh, no, I, it's just, it's, it's how, thank you for, uh, th- I, I have so many things for you, but I'll do it in a second. Cause the last thing I want to, I want to see if you would, I want to give you space here to, you know, maybe forget about me, forget about the listeners for a second, except one, like what, if you to talk, could talk to Kendrick, like into the microphone right now, talk to Kendrick and say what you say anything you'd want to say to him right now because who know maybe he listens maybe he's listening maybe he he and even not maybe you're putting it out there for him to like eventually find but like what do you want to say to him as a person who's you know spent so much time with his work in a way that I feel like not many not many have this emotional connection to his work this way Lance I was not expecting this question. I want to say, Kendrick, what up? What up, homie? <laughs> what up, brother? We, we grew up right around the corner from each other. I'm so grateful that you exist. I'm so grateful for what you put into the world. We used to talk about writing your memoirs. So when you need a ghostwriter to do that, I need you to hit me up. You can mm-hmm. find me online. Just Google my name, Sequoia Maynard. I'll pop up, send me a little email, have your team, you know... <laughs> Tell your friends to get with my friends and then we could be friends, right? As Biggie oh, said, yeah. but you know, um, <laughs> for real, you need that ghostwriter come through. I would love to write that story with you. I would love to commemorate Los Angeles, uh, what Black Los Angeles was and what it is, the future of what it can be. And I'm just so grateful for you, for you, for your imagination, for your uh, mastery, for your artistry. It's uh, unparalleled. No, and I'm... Kendrick, you heard her. Get that. <laughs> Get that. I know that. I know the memoirs around the corner too. I know you're. I know he's thinking about it too. He's in. He's sitting at home, just like 
you know, twisting those locks. Is he has locks right now? Um, I he's think just he's there. got that beautiful afro that we you saw the in the video, right? He's just twirling his hair, you know, getting those curls out. But saying, the thing is, he's been giving us little glimpses of his memoir in these songs. And I'm like, yes. don't give it all away, Kendrick. Come with me and let's write this book together, okay? <laughs> you heard him. You heard it, Kendrick, here first. Listen, it's 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 there. It's there. It just needs to be... It just needs to be in the book. And I think you found your person, Kendra. Sequoia, this has been so much fun. We are officially friends now. We're, yes, we are. This is a beautiful friendship about to start. Um, this this has been so great to listen to, to talk to. I'm going to go, you know, blast all right now and just like cry in my corner. Um, <laughs> just like crying, being like, I am. Keep telling me, Kendrick, I need to hear it. <laughs> um no it's until listeners yeah go listen to it go go listen to to Pimba butterfly and good kid mad city like go listen to both of them back to back and listen to the story he has for us because he's no matter who you are too white black i mean i'll say it again black white um black white brown um just whoever you are you have some there's something in this for you and go in but listen to it knowing it is for black people you know it is him talking to his black his his black people and like what does that mean for you in this world so sequoia thank you for bringing this to to me and the listeners into the podcast do you have anything you would like to say to you know the independent bookstore community as in like booksellers and you know oh the independent bookstore community thank you so much for giving me life i mean i when i think about independent bookstores first of all these large corporations please listeners uh, these large, large corporations, they need to be defunded. Please do not give mm-hmm. them your money. Please order straight from independent bookstores. Please do not buy 33 and a third books on Amazon. Order them from Skylit uh, Books. Order them from your local favorite bookstore. I love Isilwan in LA. I love um, Book Woman in Austin. I love Karis Books in Atlanta. There are so many independent, Black-owned, feminist-run, uh, you know, revolutionary-minded bookstores and they Mm -hmm. are vital they're lifeblood it's how information is disseminated and we are living in an age of uh, censorship and propaganda and you know anti-critical race theory so now more than ever independent bookstores are urgent so please support them i mean i'm about to use that as a clip and just play that places just like have that running in the store at all times be like because that was gorgeous what an answer uh i can i go on for another hour no i can't i can't i can't do it i can't do it but no i would thank you so Those much for having would. me this was a blast no, thank you sequoia for coming on i i just mean my day um listeners you can go to run sprint to your bookstore and get Sequoia's book um 33 and a third Kendrick Lamar's Step of a Butterfly and just I mean immerse yourself in this wonderful text that it that feels not just like an academic telling you but like it's a poetry too in the way that you talk about it and so have a blast reading that Sequoia thank you again And to all my listeners out there, you have a glorious and beautiful rest of your day. We're going to be all right. And 
I just, I want you to hear that. I want, I want you to hear me say that too, because I have to hear myself say that too. All right. All of you have a great rest of your day. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. Please don't forget to visit our website at skylightbooks.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more author talks and bookseller conversations. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Stay safe and healthy, and we hope to see you back in our store soon.